And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. And comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360 will enter the world of Damon Runyon's New York on the Damon Runyon Theater starring John Brown from 1950. Then Eve Arden stars as English teacher Connie Brooks on part one of Our Miss Brooks from 1949. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What's up, Carl? Are you enjoying all these classic radio shows? I'm actually looking forward to this hour the most, to be honest with you. Really? You You love Our Miss Brooks. I do. You love Eve Arden. I'm not the only one around here that loves that. You love Lucille Ball. I sure do. And Eve Arden. And stay tuned, because I have some news about Lucille Ball, fourth hour. Oh, really? And you like Alice Faye, too. I I know that. I sure do. Yeah. All right. Well, let's tune Tune in the Damon Runyon Theater. Very interesting comedy drama series. You know, Damon Runyon was a newspaper man and writer, and he wrote a bunch of short stories celebrating the world of Broadway in New York City that grew out of the Prohibition era. And some of his classic stories were turned into movies like Little Miss Marker and Guys and Dolls. And then Alan Ladd's Mayfair Productions, a radio production company, in 1948 decided to turn it into a radio series. And these stories were told through the eyes of a hood with a heart of gold named Broadway. Now Broadway and the many thugs and touts and dames and palookas spoke in a very thick present tense vernacular of Brooklynese. John Brown played Broadway and had even made a brief transition to television. Well, we have an episode for you now, going back to October 17, 1950. This is called Princess O'Hara, and it stars John Brown, part one of the Damon Runyon Theater. The Damon Runyon Theater. Once again, the Damon Runyon Theater brings you another story by the master of storytellers, Damon Runyon. And this one, one of his most famous, Princess O'Hara. And to tell it to you, here is Broadway. Thanks. I guess nobody who is not a patron of Broadway ever hears of Princess O'Hara. But there are quite a few citizens along the stem who do remember. I am among said citizens. Indeed, I will lay more than a little six to five that I am not likely to forget. Because it is because of the princess and a racehorse named Gallant Godfrey that I almost put my checks back in the rack before the appointed time for my demise. And how this comes about is a story I will tell you in a minute. As I am saying, it is Princess O'Hara and a racehorse named Gallant Godfrey who almost occasioned my early departure from this earth. Now, the princess is not really a princess. She just gets that name because of her father, who drives a handsome cab in the vicinity of Central Park. We call him King O'Hara. And he is not really a king, either. 
How he gets the name of King happens one night, maybe six, seven years ago, when two, three of us are standing in front of Mindy's just watching the street. And the scene is as follows. Look, Broadway, ain't that O'Hara driving up? Yeah, it is. It is O'Hara, but look on the seat next to him. Is that a little doll, I see? It is, Mitzi. Hello, O'Hara. Good evening to you, Broadway. And to you, Harry and Mitzi. Hello, Hello O'Hara. Now, will you stay on the seat, darling, while your father does a bit of business? Well, gentlemen, I trust the three of you are well. Can't complain, O'Hara. Can't complain. Good, good. Oh, <laughs> hey, I see you're looking at me, daughter. That little doll is your daughter? Oh, yes. My daughter, Maggie. She is a cute little doll, but why is she on the handsome with you? And why not? Tis time Broadway saw the likes of her. This is her vacation from school. Oh, she goes to school? Oh, yes. She'll not grow up behind a horse like I did and my father before me. No, sir, gentlemen. She'll read and write and do sums like the fine ladies I take through the park of a Sunday. Well, that is a laudable ambition, O'Hara, but it seems to me such education requires more than just a little scratch. Yes. Every penny I make goes for her. Her which has the blood of kings in her veins. Like her father. Kings? What kings? The ancient kings of Ireland, gentlemen. You are a king? Where is your crown? The kings have fallen on evil days. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you are a king, then your daughter is a princess. Princess O'Hara. <laughs> hey, that sounds good. Princess O'Hara. Yes. Princess O'Hara. Okay, from now on, you are King O'Hara, and the doll is Princess O'Hara. So, that is the way it is. Then it happens that King O'Hara falls on even more evil days. In fact, there are no more days for him, because he dies. And we do not see his horse Benjamin anymore. There is some talk about what becomes of the princess. But nobody does anything, and we forget about it, what with this and that occupying our attention now and then. Then, one night in front of Mindy's, I am standing with last card Louis the Gambler, and the scene is as follows. As I am saying, Broadway, Harry has no right to... As you are saying? Look, Broadway, do you see what I see? I do not know. Perhaps I am not looking in the same direction. Ain't, ain't that Benjamin and King O'Hara's handsome pulling up? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But may I always draw it the inside streets if it ain't a doll in the driver's seat? It is. And and what? It's the princess. Princess? What princess? Princess O'Hara. Good evening, gentlemen. Well, 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 where has this doll been keeping herself? She has grown up. Yeah, she is. Excuse me, but I'm looking for a gentleman called Broadway. I am called Broadway. Oh, I'm so glad. You don't remember me, do you? Princess O'Hara. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's easy. Seven years ago when I first see you. I was only 11. Uh, Broadway, I am still here, not having left. Oh, oh, sure. Princess, this is last card, Louis. Princess, I am happy to kiss your hand. <laughs> Go along with that blarney. Uh, Princess, you say you are looking for me? Why? Well, Dad told me to find you. He said you could help me. Me? Help you? How? Well... Since Dad died, I have to earn a living. I can't spend all my life in school. Well, there, there was just enough money to get me this far. Oh, you are low in scratch. What? Uh, uh, money. Uh, Princess, I will deem it an honor to advance you the loan of some bobs. No, no, thank you. I, I'd rather do what my dad did. Huh? 
You mean drive a hansom? Why not? But that is just what he does not want you to do. Oh, I, I'm not afraid. He put me through school doing it. I can support myself doing it. I have a license. <laughs> well, how do you like this? Princess, what can I do? Well, Dad said you knew everyone, and, and maybe you'd tell your friends about me. Sure, sure. Uh, Princess, you have your first customer. Ninety-two times around the park will be all right for a start. Huh? <laughs> oh, I hope Benjamin will hold out. That is a very ancient horse. Oh, but wonderful. Dad drove Benjamin all his life. Well, what are we waiting for? Princess, you are in business. Well, that is the way it starts. The princess does a roaring business because everybody is anxious to ride with her. The reason being she is a doll who is A number one in the looks department and in personality. In fact, some of the boys get to know Central Park by heart and can even tell now where the trees are. But none of them ever gets out of line except last card Louie. But then he is somewhat of a suspicious character. Well, this goes on for some weeks. Then one night we hear that Benjamin the horse is sick and the princess cannot go about her usual rounds. So a group of us composed of Harry the horse, little Mitzi and myself go to the livery stable and the scene is as follows. I hope we are not too late. Horses is very funny. One minute they are all right and the next they are running out of the money. Yes? Oh, Broadway. Mitzi and, and Harry. How is he? Well, come in, please. Oh, he's very sick. It's colic. Oh, colic. Eh? Uh, do you have a doctor for him? Oh, yes, yes, but there's nothing more the vet can do. He does not look so good. This is the first time I ever see a horse laying down. Except one season at Hialeah when I see a lot of horses laid down. Yeah, with my money on him. Poor old Benjamin. Maybe he needs a horse specialist. Is there such a thing? He keeps his eyes closed. Does he get enough rest and quiet? We're doing everything we can for him. It is tough. What does the doctor say? Nothing. Just wait. How long does the doc expect Benjamin to be out of the running? Well, maybe maybe three weeks or four until he gets his strength back, if he gets better. And in the meantime, you will have no horse to pull the handsome cab. Oh, I'll get along... I just want Benjamin to get better. Now, 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 Princess. Things are never as bad as they could be sometimes. But that looks like a real sick horse. He does not seem to be breathing. Oh, he is breathing, but uh, very little. Princess. What, Broadway? What are you going to do? I'll get along. But how? Oh, I'll find a way. Maybe we could raise enough scratch to see you through this illness. Oh, no. No, thank you. Last card Louie offered to help, but I'll get along. It seems to me what you need is a horse to take Benjamin's place until he is back on his feet. Well, where could I get a horse? There are many horses in the wild. Oh, but they cost money to rent. I couldn't make expenses if I didn't own Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. There is only one thing to do. Get a horse for you. Oh, but where and how? At present, I have no ideas. Uh... You are thinking of something, Harry? Eh, uh, I do not know. Uh, well, Princess, uh, we are going now, but we will drop in again and see the patient. Oh, thank you, Harry, and Broadway, and Mitzi. It is practically nothing. In the meantime, Princess, you will let us know if there is anything we can do. Oh, of course. Good night. Well, that is that. We know that the Princess will not accept charity. 
we are a little mad at last card Louie, because we know that his offer is not bony fine. So, back at Mindy's, we have a little meeting, which is as follows. We must get a horse for the princess. You have any ideas, Mitzi? Short of buying a horse, I have no ideas. We do not have enough scratch between us to buy a small pony. Uh... Harry, you say that once before tonight. It means something? Uh, I am thinking that there are more than several horses at Empire City. The racetrack? The same. What if there are? Well, all this talk of buying a horse is foolishness when the stalls at Empire City are packed with horses at this time of the year. Mm, there are a great many horses there, yeah. Then let us send the committee up there to borrow one. The princess can use it until Benjamin is back on his feet. But suppose nobody wishes to lend us a horse. I do not mean to exactly ask anyone to lend us a horse, Broadway. Then what are you hinting? Let us borrow one without asking nobody. Uh, this sounds a little like stealing. Well, I look at it this way. If if we ask one of the horse owners to lend us a horse so the horse can pull a hack, the owner will be offended because he may figure we are insulting the horse. So let us say nothing whatsoever about it. This sounds just a little illegal. What of it? I do not know what of it. Then we will borrow a horse. But who will we get to borrow it? Who? Who? I have no experience whatsoever in borrowing horses. Once or twice I borrowed other things, but never a horse. Uh, we will scout around. Sooner or later we will run across somebody who can borrow a horse for us. But it is not that easy, because it comes out that nobody along Broadway seems to know anything about borrowing a horse. It is really amazing the amount of ignorance there is on Broadway about this. It is two nights later and we are sitting in Mindy's thinking when little Mitzi gets a bright idea and says as follows. Hey, I just think of something. Yeah, what? Look, this week at the Madison Square Garden there is a Wild West show. So there is a Wild West show. We are looking for horses, not Indians. It is not a Wild West show. It is what is called a rodeo. It has got horses in it. You mean we should borrow a horse from it? I am not thinking about that. I'm thinking of something else. For example? Look, when I am a kid, I read all about the West. Way back in Illinois or Ohio or someplace, they got citizens who put the pinch on horses. Horsenappers? That is it. Mitzi, I, I do not follow you. Look, this is a Wild West show. In a Wild West show, they have all kinds of citizens. They probably have somebody who knows about stealing. Borrowing. Borrowing horses. Hmm. And how do we approach this citizen? Gently at first. And if he does not see the light? He will see the darkness. We have got to help the princess. Metsy, I think that is a good idea. Uh, who will go to the garden? I will go. I do not like this. Something is going to happen. Nevertheless, it is the only way to obtain a horse. I will go to the garden and see somebody. Have you got a ticket to the show? Ticket? <laughs> well, comes up the next day and we do not see little Mitzi. And we wonder what happens. Then we get a message that we are all to meet him at the livery stable. And so we go to the stable. The princess is not there due to the fact that she is elsewhere. Which is just as well, because we wish to surprise her with the horse. It is late at night, and me and Harry the horse are waiting. Then we hear... That must be little Mitzi. 
Yeah, I, I wonder if he's got a horse. I think if we open the door, we will be able to see. Sure. Is the coast clear? Come on in. I have got a horse out here. Bring him in. Okay. Mitzi, what are you doing? How does one make a horse go where one wishes? I will give you a hand. That is a horse. A beautiful horse. Close the door. Mitzi, I am proud of you. You do it. <laughs> it is easy. I go to the Wild West show and I make some inquiries. One of the citizens tells me there is an old guy who used to pinch horses when he is younger. Go on. What then? So, I find a guy who is wearing leather pants with hair on him. He snatches the horse from Empire City. Just like that? Oh, he says it is easy. All he does is walk up, open the stall. Here is the horse. Yeah. Here is the horse. Here is the horse. Harry, why do you say it like that? Because I take a good look at this horse, and I know who he is. There is something wrong with him? Nothing. Nothing at all. Except that he happens to be Gallant Godfrey. <laughs> Gallant? Godfrey? Yeah, the greatest racehorse in the country. In fact, the greatest racehorse in the wild. Well, that is that. It seems we now have the greatest racehorse in the world. The three of us are looking at each other and back at gallant Godfrey, whom we are wishing is back safe in his stall. Indeed, there is a move to return this borrowed horse when the princess comes back just as we are about to leave. And the scene is as follows. Boys, you... Oh, where did you get him? Uh, to tell the truth, princess, we... Uh, the horse will have to be returned. Uh, that is right. Yes. Well, naturally, as soon as Benjamin is better, we'll take this one back. Oh, my, he's wonderful. Where did you get him? Uh, uh we borrow it. Oh, I know, but where? Uh, it, it is a long story, and it is very light. Oh, this looks like a wonderful horse. He, he doesn't look as though he's built for pulling a handsome... Uh, maybe his looks are deceiving. Oh, come on. Help me harness him to the cab. You are going to harness him to a cab? Isn't that why you brought him? Well, isn't it? Yes. I guess it is, yeah. I guess it is. Well, then, come on. Please help me. A uh, handsome cat. We'll see how he looks. I wish I know how I will look in a few days. What? Uh, nothing, nothing. Uh, help me, boys. He is subjecting. You are going to put the blinkers over his eyes? Oh, sure. There you are. Uh, hey, hey, look. He... He looks like a different horse with those things yeah. on Yeah, yeah, he does not look like the same horse at all. Ah, I do not think anyone would recognize him. Broadway, I think you are right. Oh, he's wonderful, beautiful, almost as beautiful as old Benjamin. Princess, any similarity between this horse and Benjamin is very lucky for us. Why'd you say that? Uh, because uh, we are very glad the horse uh, fits the harness. I'll tell you what, let's all get in and go for a ride. Well, well... With him? Well, why not? Uh, Princess, uh, we, we are due someplace else. Any minute. Well, I'll take you. I will walk. Uh, my doctor says I need exercise. Oh, please, I... boys. Please go for a ride. I want to try him out. <sighs> boys, let us face the music. We are going for a ride. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Naturally, we think this is our last ride anyplace because we are sure that gallant Godfrey will be recognized. But he is not. Nobody thinks of looking for a racehorse on the front of a handsome cat. And so it goes for three days. Meantime, Harry noses around and finds out that gallant Godfrey's owners do not wish to make the loss public, as they figure Godfrey just wanders from his store. And because he is due for some big races later, they do not wish to alarm those who want to place bets on him. Now, it so happens that about a week later, I am standing in front of Mindy's talking with last card Louie when the princess drives up, and the scene is as follows. Well, 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 the princess. Hello. Hi, Broadway. Good afternoon, princess. How is the handsome cab business? Oh, just fine. Uh, there's just one thing wrong. Wrong? What is wrong? Well, the horse you let me always wants to gallop. That's so. Oh, mm -hmm. that is a very nice-looking horse. You know, I think I have seen him someplace before. Well, sure, he, he is around a lot uh, with the princess. Mm, that head. Uh, princess, uh, where did you get this horse? Oh, the boys borrowed him for me. That's so. Mm -hmm. Where from? Uh, from the rodeo with the guard. Rodeo? Um, I, I have never seen a bronc like this. Uh, this horse looks very familiar. Maybe because you are acquainted with many horses, and, and one horse often looks like another, especially since they are all horses. Uh -huh, I... Broadway, Princess, get back in the handsome. Oh, what's the matter? Get on the seat, Princess. Broadway, inside the cab, fast. What for? Never mind, get in. Let's take a break from the Damon Runyon Theater. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. These classic radio shows are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered. It's very important to me to offer you the best sound quality. We license these classic radio shows from the owners and estates for the privilege of using their master recordings as our source material so that we can pass that great sound quality on to you. Oh, you can find classic radio shows sold on the Internet from companies that are not authorized to sell them, but you'll often be disappointed by the inferior sound quality. If you enjoy listening to and collecting great sound quality classic radio shows, we've set up a website just for you at ClassicRadioStore.com so you can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to download your favorites to your smartphone, computer, or any listening device. We offer thousands of digitally remastered classic radio shows, uncut and unedited, including the original commercials, delivered to you instantly via digital download. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com and start collecting all your favorites in brilliant sound quality. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to the Damon Runyon Theater. Okay, Princess, get going. Where? Central Park. Get all you can out of this horse. I do not care for a ride. Shut up. Princess, get moving. Louis, what's the idea? Look behind us. I see nothing but a big black automobile. Oh, and in that big black automobile, a big Eddie and Spanish John. Huh? They are after me. They claim I drew one too many last cards in a game last night. I want out of this. Stay right where you are. They might not shoot if you are with me. If I know Spanish John and Big Eddie, and I do, they will shoot into a Sunday school picnic if they are in the mood. I feel that they are in such a mood. Princess, faster, faster. We're going to pull gallop now. Oh, this is a wonderful horse. We are passing all the traffic. I will open my eyes and look after a while. Turn in the park, princess. Through the transfer. They will catch us in the tunnel. It is our only chance. Are they gaining? We are holding our own. 
Once we are through the park, I can duck in one of the apartment buildings. Ooh, like I say before, they are in the right mood. Those are shots. Gotta make it fast, the princess. He's got the bit between his teeth. If he likes it, let him have it. Come on, Gallant Godfrey. Gallant Godfrey? Broadway, what did you say? I am in no mood for chit-chat. They're gaining. Louie, look back. Princess, when you get to the transverse train left, we'll be going into a one-way street. Sure, then we cut across the lawn and back around. My last day on earth, and I spend it behind a horse. We are almost to the transverse. I will spend the rest of my life indoors if I have any more life coming. Now, Princess, now, turn him, turn him. <laughs> what happened? Oh, they cracked up. They could not turn into the one-way street. Is it all over? All over. I think Big Eddie and Spanish John are out of their mood. Well, are they dead? I do not think so. But, uh, Broadway, do I hear you say the name Gallant Godfrey? Gallant Godfrey? What's that? Oh, uh, nothing, Princess. Nothing at all. <laughs> this is a very wonderful horse. He saved my life. Louis, what are you going to do? Broadway, I have not yet made up my mind. But when I do it, it'll be something real nice. <laughs> Well, I do not like the way last card Louis says that. But I am in no condition to offer argument because I find I cannot move due to the previous excitement. However, the payoff does not come until several days later. And I will tell you about it in a minute. As I say, it is not until several days later that I am sitting in Minty's. I am wondering what last card Louis' trick is going to be when I am joined by Harry the Horse and little Mitzi. And the scene is as follows. Hello, Broadway. Harry, how are you? Broadway, I am glad to see you. Yeah, I am glad to see you. You know, Broadway, we are wondering who it was that tips, Louie, that the horse is gallant good for. Yeah, puts us in a bad hole. Now look, boys, I can explain. <laughs> it is all right, Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is fine. Fine? Oh. Ah, here comes the princess. Hello, princess. Hello, boy. Sit down, princess. Oh, thanks. Oh, wasn't it wonderful what last card Louis did? Wonderful. I can take the money and go back to school like Dad wanted me to. School? Money? Don't you know, Broadway? I am in the dark. And maybe it is better this way. Oh, oh last card Louis bought my horse for a thousand dollars. He, but, and but, then he gave the horse right back to me. So I can have someone else drive the handsome and I can go back to school. Oh, it is wonderful. There are so many wonderful people in the world. The world is full of sweetness and light. It is a little hard to make people see the light, but uh, it can be done. Uh, Princess, we have a little business to talk over, so if you will wait for us, we will be right out. Oh, all right. Uh, don't be long, because we want to take our last ride together before I go away to school. Ain't it wonderful? It is. What is? Last card, Louis knows the horse is gallant Godfrey. But he does not know that Harry and me know it. So he gives me a thousand dollars to fight a horse. Princess O'Hara's horse. Gallant Godfrey? The princess does not own gallant Godfrey. She owns Benjamin. And, and Louis buys Benjamin? Oh, he thinks he is getting gallant Godfrey because he reads there is a reward for the horse. Ten thousand dollars. So he figures to keep quiet, make a little scratch, quick. And he gets a bill of sale for Benjamin. <laughs> a horse that is no good to him. So we uh, persuade him to give Benjamin back to the princess. You, you persuaded him? 
Uh, well, we, we, we talk to him. Yeah, we tell him Big Eddie and Spanish John will be out of the hospital soon. And this town is not healthy for him in that event. So he goes away. I think he will stay away. Then, then everything is all right. Certainly. Particularly since Harry and me retained the horse, we borrowed it. And there is no questions asked. It seems they are very glad to get Gallant Godfrey back. And we are very glad to get the reward money. Well, well, well. It is like I always say. Honesty is the best policy. And so ends the famous Damon Runyon story, Princess O'Hara. Listen in again next week to... The Damon Runyon Theater. The Damon Runyon Theater with John Brown as Broadway is directed by Richard Sandville and the stories adapted for radio by Russell Hughes. This is a Mayfair production. And that's the Damon Runyon Theater from October 17, 1950, with Princess O'Hara, starring John Brown. Also in the cast, Pat O'Brien, Wendy Berry, and Dick Sanders, with Ed Herlihy doing the announcing that was heard on the Mutual Broadcasting System. Well, before we tune into our Miss Brooks, I want to remind all of our listeners that we have a website at Hollywood360radio.com that has our full podcast there. We have a four-hour podcast at Hollywood360radio.com every week. However, it is not the current week's show. It is one week behind. If you miss any of the hours on the radio station that you listen to, just go to Hollywood360radio.com. We have our schedule there. There's thousands of pictures of Lisa there. And we have a Facebook page, which we haven't talked about lately, but uh, if you like us, we'd appreciate that, Hollywood 360 Radio. It is the best way to communicate with us. You can post there. You can ask questions. You can make comments. And we love to hear from our listeners. So we appreciate hearing from you on Facebook. Absolutely right. All right. Very good, Lisa. It's time now for our Miss Brooks. Now, Eve Arden starred as uh, Connie Brooks, and we play a lot of these on the show because i got to tell you, you're right. This is a very, very funny series. This program is called The Faculty Cheerleader. It's from September 18, 1949, part one now of Our Miss Brooks. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay and luster cream shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Well, the nation's schools threw open their doors last Monday, and in spite of a difficult first week, Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, was determined not to let the rigors of the impending semester dim her enthusiasm for her chosen career. Well, she was talking about it early Friday morning in the room she rents from Mrs. Davis. Sure, it's difficult being a teacher, but lots of other occupations are difficult, too. Besides, maybe Mr. Conklin, our principal, will recommend that I be made head of the English department. That carries a bigger salary with it, and who knows, from there I might become an assistant principal. Maybe even a principal. And there's always Mr. Boynton. He's been pretty shy for a biology teacher, but I'm sure he'll warm up a little this term. I bet he'll just insist on spending more and more time with me on weekends as well as school days. By this year, he might even propose. Oh, okay, okay. Darned alarm clock. I wish you'd waited for another minute. I was about to discover oil in my inkwell. Connie? 
Oh, Connie, it's time to get up. Oh, I am up, Mrs. Davis. Come on in. I was afraid you wouldn't hear your alarm, Connie. Now I'll get breakfast started and... Oh, before I forget, Mr. Conklin called while you were still asleep. He said to tell you to stop at his office before you go to your first class. That's what we all need, something to look forward to. It's probably about his new cheerleading idea. Cheerleading idea? Yes, he doesn't think there's enough enthusiasm for our football team. Tomorrow's the first game, and he wants the team to feel that we're all behind them. I see. How did the Madison team wind up last year, Connie? They had an undefeated season, Mrs. Davis. They did? That's right. They didn't defeat a single team. (laughs) That's why Mr. Conklin's got this wild scheme to make a member of the faculty act as cheerleader. A member of the faculty leading cheers? Exactly. He doesn't feel that the student yell leaders are generating enough steam. (laughs) But whom do you think he'll select for the job, Connie? Well, it's a lot of hard work with no extra pay. I seem like a natural for it. (laughs) Oh, but Connie, why should Mr. Conklin pick you for a job like that? Because Mr. Conklin is one of my most ardent boosters. He's right behind me every minute. (laughs) It gives me a great sense of security to know that our beloved principal is one of my staunchest supporters. Really? Yes, it's like standing on a nice, firm gallows. (laughs) But after what he's already done to me, leading a few cheers will be easy. He's done something else? Yes, he's still on his big anti-fraternization kick. So he moved me from room 148, right next to Mr. Boynton's biology lab... Way down to room 102. I hardly get to see him at all now. But can't you just stroll casually down to his room between classes? There isn't much time between classes, Mrs. Davis. How casual can you be with spiked shoes and a kneeling start? (laughs) (laughs) Poor Connie. If it isn't one thing, it's another. But I still can't conceive of you as a cheerleader in a football stadium. I assure you, Mr. Conklin can. I wouldn't be surprised if he, he expected me to be a drum majorette as well. Why, this very minute, he's probably chuckling into his coffee at the thought of me throwing a big brass baton up in the air and catching it without a bounce on the top of my head. Now, this coffee is very good, Harriet. <laughs> yeah, I can just see her now. Catching that big stick right on top of her head. (laughs) Pardon me, Daddy, but I don't quite follow you. Oh, oh, it's Miss Brooks, Harriet. I'm thinking of making her faculty cheerleader for the football season. Why, that's a wonderful idea, Daddy. The kids are crazy about Miss Brooks. Yes, the kids are crazy. (laughs) But, Harriet, do you think she'll accept her new assignment as yell leader cheerfully? I don't know why not. If it's good enough for a principal, it ought to be all right for a teacher. What do you mean, if it's good enough for a principal? Well, the story's right here in the morning paper, Daddy. Jason Brill, principal of Clay City High School, elected honorary cheerleader. But it was my idea to get a faculty cheerleader. I told Brill about it last week when we... Let's see that paper. Why, they've got his picture in here. Jason Brill thanking the student body of Clay City High... Well, of all the hammy oafs. Not only does he steal my idea, but he appoints himself to grab all the publicity. But he didn't appoint himself, Daddy. He was elected by the students. Oh, he was elected by the students. (laughs) Well, then I guess I can be elected by the students as well. You? A cheerleader? (laughs) 
Well, what's so funny about it? I was a drum major in college. I'll call a special assembly right after lunch, and we'll vote for a faculty cheerleader. Well, gosh, Daddy, I don't like to undermine your ego, but if it's an elective position, Miss Brooks will probably win it by a mile. Oh, she will. You forget, young lady, that your father is an old hand at politics. Why, I was offered a political position before I was even a teacher in this town. Yes, Daddy. Of course, I had a good reason for not accepting. I know. The back of your car wasn't big enough to hold all the dogs you'd have to collect. Uh, that... <laughs> Not the position. I wish your mother would stop blabbing that story around. <laughs> now, uh, clear off the dishes and let's get to school. Okay, Daddy. Maybe I'll get a chance to rub noses with my dream pie before school starts. He's driving Miss Brooks down this morning. Your dream pie? Walter Denton. <laughs> Please, Harriet. Not at the breakfast table. <laughs> So, Miss Brooks, although I've often kidded about the subject, his actions this week forced me reluctantly to one conclusion. What's that, Walter? Mr. Conklin finds me acutely distasteful. That's why he put me, my best pal Stretch Snodgrass, and my best girl Harriet Conklin all in different classes. I just don't see how a man can be so cruel to his own flesh and blood. Harriet? Certainly. Why do you realize what he's denying that poor girl? Me! <laughs> You'll just have to be brave, I guess. And look what he did to you. Moved you all the way down to room 102. That's about as far away as you can get from Mr. Boynton's lab. Why, it must be 200 yards. 204 and 9 inches. <laughs> Maybe absence will make the heart grow fonder. He did ask me out last Wednesday night. Mr. Boynton asked you for a date in the middle of the week? He certainly did. Invited me to a drive-in movie in his neighborhood. Well, that sounds cozy. It could have been cozier. He felt it would keep him up too late if he drove me home, so he suggested that I bring my car along, too. <laughs> oh, gee, once you got into the place, you snuggled up real close, didn't you? It's a little difficult, Walter, to snuggle up to somebody with a new Hudson in between. <laughs> well, but let's get back to your problem, Walter. I'm sorry to hear you're not happy in your present classes. I'm miserable, Miss Brooks. You see, it isn't just being separated from Harriet that hurts. It's Stretch Snodgrass, too. You know how close Stretch and I are. After all, you taught the both of us English last term. You were both in my class last term, if that's what you mean. <laughs> Your friend Stretch is the only pupil I've ever met who garnered, out of a possible 100%, a final mark of nine. <laughs> Even your sparkling 27 look good by comparison. Well, he may not be overburdened with brains, but he's got a great sense of loyalty, Miss Brooks. Gosh, if we're kept apart all term, it'll break Stretch's heart. Mine, too. Uh, maybe you can get us transferred back to your class. Please, Miss Brooks, please. You've got to help us. Tell me you'll help us. Now, take it easy, Walter. You can rest assured I'll do everything in my power to arrange a transfer for you. Gee, thanks, Miss Brooks. After all, I want you, as well as Stretch, to look back upon your career at Madison High School as the happiest 12 years of your life. <laughs> well, I arrived in school.
school before Mr. Conklin did, and having a little time to kill, I sauntered toward Mr. Boynton's biology laboratory. Morning, Mr. Boynton. Just happened to be in the neighborhood, so I thought I'd race in, a uh, drop in. Well, sit down, catch your breath. Yeah, I, thanks. I, I was just feeding my pet frog. You remember McDougal? Oh, of course. Hi, Mac. <laughs> we haven't seen very much of you since Mr. Conklin changed your room. I know. Do you miss me? <laughs> one down and one to go. <laughs> How about you, Mr. Boynton? Do you miss me? Well, gosh, I... If you're bashful, just say, mm. <laughs> Wait, it's only natural, I suppose, for all living creatures who form a certain habit pattern to be temporarily thrown into a mild state of confusion by the disruption of that pattern. Well, that is to say, any warm-blooded mammal who has formed some sort of an attachment for another warm-blooded mammal would become quite lonesome if that warm-blooded mammal were to be removed. Let's stand closer to the bars. Here come some people with peanuts. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, I suppose, is that both Mac and myself have missed you a little between class visits. <laughs> and by the same token, I, I suppose it's logical to assume you've missed seeing us. You can say that again. <laughs> Thanks, Mac. <laughs> I'll put him back in his cage now. Here you go, boy. You've had plenty of exercise for one morning. There we are. See you later, Mac. <laughs> well, Miss Brooks, what do you think the coming term's going to be like? If Mr. Conklin keeps on like he started, it should be a dilly. Did you know that he took Stretch Snodgrass, Walter Denton, and his daughter Harriet out of my room and put them each in a different English class? Oh, yes, I know. Harriet's in Miss Enright's class now. She's got your old room right next door. Too bad about the kids. With... Miss Enright has the room next door? Yes, she drops in quite often to say hello to Mac. To Mac, huh? Yes. Always said she's been interested in frog life. Frog life, huh? Me and Mac are crazy about each other. Believe me, they're mated. Miss Enright's quite fond of you, Miss Brooks. In fact, just the other day she was telling me how, how sorry she was that you had to work here in summer school while she was getting brown as a berry on a vacation. She... Paid you quite a nice compliment, too. That I'd like to hear. All right. She said that you were the only person she knew who could look so alive without any vestige of color in her face. <laughs> oh, that kid has got to go. I had no idea when I was given room 102 that she was going to... Hey, go I can be Mr. Boynton. Oh, it's Miss Enright. Of course. You know Miss Brooks. Oh, certainly. Hello, dear Miss Brooks. Hi. <laughs> you seem to have a little more color than usual What happened? Cut yourself? Now, just a minute, Miss Enright And Enright's. your hair looks simply lovely this morning Did you make it yourself? <laughs> Everything but the bun in the back I had that done in the hamburger stand on the corner <laughs> I'd ask you to sit down, Miss Enright, but there aren't any chairs between these lab tables. Oh, Miss Enright doesn't need a chair. Come sit over here by me, dear. I'll light up this Bunsen burner for you. 
Of course, if you were just leaving, anyhow... Oh, I'd no, probably... not just yet, Miss Brooks. Uh, Mr. Boynton, I dropped in to give you a little present. Oh? Something you can wear at the football game tomorrow. Here, let me take it out of the box. <laughs> there. Oh, gosh, an orange-colored turtleneck sweater. Isn't it divine? Looks like a hot water bottle with sleeves. <laughs> It's beautiful, and it was very nice of you to knit it for me, Miss Enright. Oh, I didn't knit it, Mr. Boynton. This is part of a match set I bought at Sherry's department store. I, uh, I have one exactly like it for myself. Oh, if you bought it, Miss Enright, I'm afraid I won't be able to accept it. It's against my principles to take anything I don't pay for. Oh, please, Mr. Boynton, just consider it a premature Christmas present. Well, in that case, thank you, Miss Enright. I'd better hang it up in the cloakroom so it doesn't get creased. Will you excuse me, Miss Brooks? Certainly. I'll stay here and chat with Santa. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first portion of Our Miss Brooks. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to Our Miss Brooks from 1949. Then it's Inner Sanctum Mystery from 1945 with Leslie Woods in the starring role. That's next time right here on Hollywood 360.